Welcome to DocList on Software Industry Trends. My name is Stephen List, although most people know me as Doc. I've been doing software stuff for over 30 years now, and during that time I've seen and experienced some major changes. If you'll bear with me for a few minutes, I'd like to give you a quick history of my career and the changes that I've seen over this time. This will be one of the rare podcasts in which you'll only hear from me. In future, most of my podcasts will be interviews with folks who have been a part of the software industry and the changes that have been occurring in that area. While my education is in psychology, in 1978 I fell into a job at Control Data Corporation while living in the San Francisco Bay Area. That's before personal computers, mini computers, or anything else that fit conveniently into a small space. I was lucky enough to be part of the Control Data Government Programs team, the Spook Group, which allowed me to dig into and customize the internals of the system, from the operating system to the networking system to compilers. I was working on mainframes that had little memory compared to today's notebook computers. We worked on hardwired terminals that operated at 300 baud. Most of my listeners will probably never have worked on anything that slow. When we got upgraded to 600 baud, double the speed, we were delirious. While I was working at Control Data, Apple announced their first computers, as did IBM. Apple was a completely unknown company at that time, of course. Microsoft was a virtual unknown, and the IBM PC operating system was PC-DOS. There was no Windows, no Microsoft Office, and no commercial pointing device known as a mouse. The computer I worked on filled a room, required raised floors and special cooling, and had a green screen console. In 1982, I went to my first Silicon Valley startup. Those were the early days of commercial Unix systems, super microcomputers, 14-inch Winchester hard drives with a single platter and storage measured in megabytes, and we wrote our software in C and Assembler, hacked the Unix kernel, and participated in the early days of Unix-based SQL databases. Those were also the days of the first four GLs, that's fourth-generation languages for those of you who don't remember the term, and the first character-based IDEs. If we wanted to do automated testing and automated builds, we had to write the software and scripts ourselves, and we did. What we were doing was an earlyish precursor to continuous integration and continuous delivery, and it certainly had its challenges. I remember the first pre-1.0 versions of Perl and meeting Larry Wall, its creator. At that time, if we wanted email or news, we had to arrange a UUCP connection from someone who was already on the internet and was willing to spare the bandwidth. There was no World Wide Web at the time, no commercial ISPs, and we got our information and conversation through Usenet. While I was at that first startup, Microsoft announced the first version of Windows, and Apple announced the first Macintosh. Those represented the first graphical user interfaces and the operating systems that drove them. We saw our first mice and began to believe that we'd each have a computer on our desks that had more power and capability than the control data mainframes I started on. From that company, I went on to co-found a consulting company that took advantage of new tools like 4GLs, IDEs, and Visual Basic to rapidly prototype and build applications. In fact, what I saw was that Visual Basic brought in a new generation. It enabled people who were not software developers to build applications. 
They may not have been well-coded or designed, but VB extended the power of the desktop computer beyond the domain of us techies into a broader audience. At the same time, a variety of tools that ran on Apple computers, Unix-based systems, and PCs started to hit the market. Variants of Unix, including SCO, Xenix, and others, began making more robust, production-ready systems possible. In 1988, I gave my first public talk on technology, in which I talked about rapid prototyping, rapid application development, and continuous feedback from customers, clients, and users. Who knew that I was anticipating key features of the Agile movement? In the early 90s, we saw the beginning baby steps of the World Wide Web. This extended the reach and the power of the internet into the consumer realm and introduced ISPs and modems and routers and browsers to the world. We saw the number of websites go from hundreds to thousands to millions in short order. We saw the development of electronic marketing, interactive websites and applications, and the shrinking of the world through technology. Of course, there were organizational changes and technological changes that accompanied the sociological changes. Languages blossomed and we saw object-oriented languages start to take a front seat. Databases became commodities rather than mysteries. Graphic design became a core competency for any development team. Visual development environments exploded while hardcore techies still maintained their status as separate from the rest. Distributed teams with connections between the United States, India, Eastern Europe, and beyond all became common, if not easy. And we saw communities forming around technologies and approaches, associations, groups, gatherings, mailing lists, news groups. In the late 90s and early 2000s, the folks who were working on lightweight approaches started coming together, culminating in February of 2001 with the authoring and publication of A Manifesto for Agile Software Development, commonly known as the Agile Manifesto. This has led to yet another revolution of sorts, changes in process, management, technology, and attitude. When I consider that in the decade of my birth, we got our first color televisions, telephones were wired, and for a couple decades beyond that, computers were mysterious things that lived in cool, dark caves, and there were no such things as chips other than potato chips, the world we live in is astounding. I remember a keynote delivered at a conference in the late 80s by John Scully, then CEO of Apple. He presented a video on the Knowledge Navigator, which was a video and audio-enabled computer that interacted with its users with spoken voice, both for command and conversation. You can see the video online. Just search for Apple Computer Knowledge Navigator. At the time, it was an astonishing vision of a possible future. Today, it seems within reach. I've been fortunate in being able to travel around the United States and other countries, learning and teaching and coaching. It's far too easy to think that what's happening in the world of software technology is centered in the U.S., but it's not that simple. There are changes and innovations and evolutions occurring everywhere. The purpose of this podcast, then, is to examine the changes that are going on around us today in the software industry. Changes in languages, environments, approaches, practices, processes, people, and other aspects of technology. I plan to bring you the views of people in the Agile community, leading associations such as PMI and IIBA, and pioneers in areas like software craftsmanship. The world is changing around us daily. Let's talk about it.